Hello and welcome to some Derf's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about progression in WoW, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We uh, like to talk about games. Uh, before we do that, because I've been itching to talk about this for like forever... Uh, we have played some Hell's Rebels. We haven't played Rune Lords, right? We did. We played the uh, the the one where we skipped the encounter that Mark, so Mark had to call it early. Wait, which one? The the one where we went to the ogre. Oh, cave? right, right, into the ogre cave. God, yeah, okay, right. We did actually play some Rune Lords. God, fucking Rune Lords eating my time. Um, the uh, yes, we played some Rune Lords. We went into this big ogre cave, and these ogres kept spawning. Um, uh, it was just like a boatload of mooks um but then you used stone shape yes to skip, uh, to, you skip half the dungeon yeah explain you can explain uh, so <laughs> there's this big old seal which is the same symbol that we've been seeing all campaign long and uh it like appears to fill up a little bit when we kill some ogres it's like there's a bunch of other ogres or like you know there's this big cave system that extends back from where we are as like there's this door and if you try and step over the symbol it burns you for some damage and so that's not really tenable. And then I look at the map and I'm like, are these walls stone? Yes. I've got about six casts of stone shape. Let's burrow through the walls. And so <laughs> we get into this big run up to the bosses. And and Mark, the GM, looks uh, you know, long-time contributor to the cast, um, looks at us and says, um, I'm not prepared for this at all. So uh, that's going to be the session for now. Um but, you know, it was – it's one of those moments that's it's always a little bit fun. It's like, yes, I got I got one over on the GM with my special thinking and powers. Um, I didn't feel too bad because I've been doing that kind of stuff all campaign long, and he had more than ample opportunity to just be like, that doesn't work because rune magic. Right. So, you know. Yeah, I feel that. I have, uh, uh, I have definitely – been on the receiving end as a GM and on like the giving end as a player um, in terms of kind of like messing with the GM's plan. It's something that does frustrate me to a certain extent as a GM, but um, I also think it should be rewarded at times. Um, and I do my best. Man, I'm trying to think of a good example of this in Hell's Rebels is if this has really ever happened. See, I try and do my best a lot of times to kind of um, anticipate a lot of like craziness to a certain extent to like, you know, what are some off the ball, off the wall ideas that, that, that I could be kind of thrown, um, uh, and, and have, you know, either like a ready-made answer or, uh, or a kind of like a pathway. It's one of those things where I kind of hate shutting that stuff down. I kind of do think like the creativity is worth it. Right. Uh, but sometimes you also do have to do that. I don't know. I, I have a tough time with that concept. Uh, yeah. I also think. For what it's worth, it's much easier to like if you're writing your own your own campaign like from scratch. It's a lot easier to kind of like have alternatives ready right, as like part of your prep. Whereas like with with I think with a lot of adventure paths, it's it's adventure paths by their nature I think tend to be a little bit more railroady than your than your homespun adventure. And so I feel like you kind of have to guide a little bit harder in the quote unquote right direction. Um, not that I think that railroad adventures are not, are, 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 are necessarily bad, right? Like I don't think Wrath of the Righteous, which is the, the game I, I run locally, um, would 
work if you had as absolute freedom. You kind of naturally have to be railroaded from plot point to plot point to kind of kill the big evil. And you have some wiggle room inside of there. But I, I, I do think that there's a time and a place for structured stories. Um, yeah, I definitely think that that is, uh, you know, I definitely think that's a good way to... Uh... A good way to approach it. Um, I I think that it players have a lot of power in you know these tabletop games, and it's not outside of the realm of possibility that you know at any given moment, right? Like an option presents itself that you didn't anticipate or you didn't think of. But it, you know, it, it, the, you know, there's a sacred contract right between players and GMs, and I think another part of that contract, like an an oft-forgotten, like, appendix to that contract is kind of like, you know, the players won't go out of their way too much to derail, like, the whole campaign. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's forgotten. I think that it's... I think they're just kind of like one, one of those unspoken rules, right? Like, you're right. It's, it's, it's part of the contract, but, like, I don't think anybody who's been like, oh, we, we, we get a boat and we sail the shackles has ever been serious about that type of deal. Yeah, um, yeah. Fair you know, enough. I, I think everybody kind of under... I, I, I have never encountered a situation, and maybe you GM more than I have, so maybe you, you've you encountered it um, in the past, but I've never encountered a situation where someone was like, I am taking a hard left and on, and insisting on it um, to, to the obvious detriment of the campaign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I don't think we quite got into those dramatic terms with Rune Lords. Oh, but, no, absolutely um, not, yeah. You know, uh, I guess I guess I'm glad that we're gonna kind of get into this, uh, gonna get into this boss fight. Uh, there's actually we're definitely on the back nine when it comes to Rune Lords, uh, and I'm beginning to feel it kind of more and more. Um, so. Yeah, I got, I'd be lying if I didn't think that that was part of why Mark was okay to let it go. Um, I feel like this this campaign is like not necessarily in a bad way, but we're getting to that power level where things kind of become silly, and like yeah. Um, we've been at this campaign for a, for a while, while due to like not only delays and uh, and things, but also like you know I, we love to talk about the tournament. The tournament ran for a while, and there were a lot of delays inside the tournament, so the tournament in real time took a long time. Um, yeah, that's true. The tournament, I mean, it was like twelve matches in and of themselves, and then between that, you know, there's on weeks, off weeks, all of this downtime. Yeah. Uh, so, th it's, it's easy, to, I think it's easy to get a little bit strung out uh, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we also played Hell's Rebels. We did. In what might be the best, not the best, but like, in a weird way, like the most perfect session that I think we've had so far. Um, in in like whereas whereas like that kind of perfection is is defined by like we got to this goal like the 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 thing I'm trying to evoke out of the players was most strongly evoked kind of this session uh, and it actually ties into our topic from not last week two weeks ago uh, into kind of like how you know you pre present choice to the players but. Uh, do you want to? Do you want me to do this? You can uh, go ahead and do it. So functionally, what happens is you know, like the players get back to uh, the players get back to Kentargo. There's a little table read that kind of orients them, um, uh, you know, against kind of the cabinet, right? You know, they get to see the cabinet at work, Barzlai Thrun's group, um, and how those they are approaching, you know, problems and situations and what their priorities are, um, and then are immediately shown three problems, right? 
Each of them are on a strict timer, um, and you have to prioritize, right? You have to rank them effectively one to three to, we're going to tackle this problem first, then this problem, then this problem. Um, with and, and all of them have pretty dire circumstances uh, and stakes, right? The first problem is... Um, in breaking out the uh, in breaking out the Hell Knights from the vault, right, this big prison, the vault, uh, Mateo and Lyra were captured, right? Not only, by the way, were they captured because they were on a special mission to, uh, you know, uh, assuage uh, like a personal fear of Maragrug, right? So he gets to feel like the boatload of guilt here, right? But you know, now you know, now two super high-ranking members who have a lot of information about the rebels um, are in are in Barzilai's custody, right? How long are you willing to let them go, right? Uh, before before they hypothetically spill the beans, right? Uh, the second problem is that uh, Aluria shows up. Aluria Shadowvale shows up, and uh, she's she is being pummeled by pirates outside of uh, uh, outside of Kintargo's ports, and um, Taylor has kind of gone against the council a little bit and informed them that, uh, you know, Taylor's working, uh, informed her, Luria, uh, that Taylor's working on bringing um, Cassius Vasquez, a renowned pirate hunter, into Kintargo, and he is willing to flip, right? He's willing to flip from uh, one of Bars Lythroon's guys, right, to one of the Rebels' guys, right? Um, and so if you if you kind of pursue this one, you can tackle this pirate problem, make sure that Aluria doesn't jump ship and leave the, you know, like, leave the Rebellion, right? Uh, problem number three is that a spate of murders has has cropped up that, are, that match murders um, by the Temple Hill Slasher from... Uh, I think it was 10 years ago in game time. Um, the Temple Hill Slasher murders involved ritual, mut like ritualistic mutilation uh, that was later tied to the Coven of Lilith attempting to uh, re uh, reignite uh, like a new savophage in the city with this with these rituals uh, with this ritual murders. Two murders have happened so far, right? And they seem to be progressing fairly swiftly. And they also match the you know they also match the same kind of mutilation pattern that was seen weeks ago. But during the cabinet meeting, there's a little bit of information that seems to suggest that maybe the murders are just copycats, right? And they're not you know and they're not the real deal. And we're not looking down the savophage, right? And so the players had to basically uh, argue and rank and figure out what you know what their priority was going to be for the next couple of uh for the next like couple of objectives uh did uh did you feel uh did you feel like that worked out i Mango? felt <laughs> I, it was fantastic <laughs> like beauregard is so mad at Rakox right now <laughs> oh man i cannot wait to just like unleash the venom at some point and just be like you're you're a weak you're a weak willed chill. You're, 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 <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great. Like it's and it's it's, it's and th they were some very good moments, right? Like you know, you saw the very clear lines drawn. It's like you know, one thing that I I think was was good for kind of not totally dividing the party is everybody was like, look, we need to get Mateo and Lyra back. Like that's priority number one, and no one disagreed on that. Um, but like just kind of the natural dividing line between the people who wanted to go after Savage and the people who wanted to help Aluria made a lot of sense and you know at, at the end of the day it was two versus two and then uh and then you know rakak stopped playing dynasty warriors um <laughs> <not really at> <laughs> yeah um but uh 
you know, uh, it, I, I think it worked out great. I think it brought out a lot of, uh, great conflict. Uh, I thought it, um, I, I think this kind of stuff is why I love this campaign is the ability to really kind of dig into like these kind of like set piece, uh, like politics almost, um, which I don't always get in other games, like say iron gods, um, which is kind of the polar opposite of that, but you know, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I really appreciate it. I think I think it's it's working phenomenally. Um, Good. I'm happy to hear it. I feel the exact same way because this is you know I love these kinds of sessions in general. Um, I also very much appreciate that people are playing their character in a lot of ways. Um, I think there's kind of the option a bit um, to roll over uh, and not. You, you, you know, not make the that you know, like not make the choice that you would otherwise make because you don't want to kind of cause like interparty conflict or anything like that, right? But I think everyone, did, I, I really appreciate that everyone was kind of like will, willing to stick to their character's guns about what is important and what isn't important, right? Um, and you know, uh, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, obviously, we're in things that the Savophage is a is a is a huge threat, right? He doesn't care about. The you know he to him the relationship we have cultivated with Luria is not a big deal right the big deal is that another savage could wreck the city and unleash more beastmen which are already tearing apart the countryside right like I I totally get how from you know his perspective that is the you know like that's like the chief thing I mean you know honestly I I designed this um because I I think every Every aspect of this is arguable, right? You can take kind of any set of, you can kind of like, you can rank these in any kind of way. And I think that there's a very good argument um, in order to do so. And I also think that there is a very bad argument in order to do so. Um, and that was something that uh, that I was really, I, I really wanted that because if you, if you make it too easy, I think as a choice, then people just kind of, then it just all kind of falls into, um, you know, whatever the optimal choice is, right? We're all, you know, there, there's a lot of Captain Crunch in our group. And uh, and so I think if, you know, if there's uh, a huge tangible difference between in kind of power level or, you know, whatever, um, that will override the, 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 the RP, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Although, I'm going to say that there's one thing that bothered me a little bit and it could follow its follow itself out later, but um, the thing we did at the very beginning of the session is decide which which uh, essentially special special team we were gonna get, and it was between um, what's what's uh, you know the the Johan jo yeah Johan and Ariandis yeah Johan and Ariandis, um, and it felt we we chose <coughs> excuse me we chose Ariandis um, in large part. Like, you know, I advocated for her because she's a Jaltero. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, you know the, we, we looked at one of the power, like, their two powers are very different, and we chose Oriandis. But these three problems, I think, if, if I remember correctly, the Johan's power makes the Mateo Lyra, Lyra thing not a problem for as long as, as, as we keep sending them on rescue mission, right? Like, if we had chosen Johan... Yep, that's true. Yeah, so it felt kind of like, oh, we made the wrong decision, and now you've got a hard choice to make. It's like, oh, that feels bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, to a certain extent, um, 
to a certain, this wasn't very well telegraphed, I suppose. Um, to a certain extent, the Ariandas one was intended to be a benefit about the serial killer, right? Like you can just kind of set Ariandas on hunting down the serial killer. Maybe she'll maybe she'll make that work, kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely get it. I honestly, uh, I powered up the uh, I powered up the Johan one at kind of the last minute without really thinking about it too much. Um, because I felt like otherwise the choice is very clearly that you take Ariandis, right? If there isn't that, if there isn't that like extra kind of passive to Johans, I think uh, I think Ariandis is kind of over over pal like powered from like a balance slash tuning perspective. Yeah, no, I I definitely feel that. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I a lot of it I think is because I had written out a long time ago what these powers were for the two of them. Um, and then I, t it turns out that I didn't like actually save the note that it was in. So I had to remake them, uh, in between, you know, sessions kind of thing, which like, I guess made me second guess myself a little bit, but yeah, I, I, you know, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I, yeah. I totally get that. No, um, and, and you know, my expectation at least is that, um, or not my expectation, but like, I've, you know, one of these things is usually like you way this usually plays out is that there'll be a point in the future where having Ariandas will be very convenient and having Johan would have been less beneficial, and, you know, but it's like, while we're here, um, you know, it feels, it, it, it's like, huh, well, fuck me, type yeah. of deal. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I like that feeling, uh, I, you know, it's probably one of the, you know, one of the, the things I appreciate most, um, because, you know, on one hand, I think there's a tension between making all of the characters and making all the plot points make your characters feel like big damn heroes all the time kind of thing. Um, but I am totally on the opposite end of that. I like disempowering the heroes as much as possible because I feel like it, I feel like it is more satisfying when, when like you raise the stakes higher and higher. Uh, and, uh, I have, I obviously, you know, you might disagree with that. I know that there's like holes in that perspective, but I don't know. That's, that, that you know, is so I, I actually, I, I think I agree with you. I think part of it, interestingly enough, I, I think that part of this comes down to, um, essentially, uh, the, the, the video game culture, right? Like where hundred percent completion is a thing. And if you do something wrong, you reload the save yeah, and you try and yep. do that. And you want, you know, you want to get the best ending. You reload until you figure out how to save all the people and get the pacifist run in undertale type of deal. Um, whereas RPG like tabletops, you don't always have to do that. And, or like, once things are done, they're kind of done, and, like, that's kind of very refreshing, but, you know, I think more and more as more people come to tabletops from video gaming um, just because of, of the way things are in, in the current world, um, I feel like that, that that's kind of a hard thing to, to change your attitude about coming from the video gaming world. Um, yeah, I, you know, I really actually do agree with that a lot. Man, I really do agree with that. Yeah, I kind of, I see, you know, this is a bit of, uh, this, is, this is a bit, oh, it's like, you know, you know what it is? I've talked about this a little bit on the cast. Uh, this is like the Captain America First Avenger problem for me. Captain America the First Avenger movie doesn't work for me because Captain America never loses, right? The Red Skull is always on the back foot. And whenever they meet, it's not like, you know, what, what typically happens um, in a lot of these kind of superhero stories is you see a moment, uh, this happens in The Dark Knight, obviously, right? You know, the, whether or not 
the Joker killing, um, whether or not like the Joker killing whatever her face is, I can't even remember her name, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, um, uh, Rachel, Rachel Dodds, right, right. right? Whether or not that, that that actually like makes his plan better or more dangerous or anything like that you know like it doesn't really further the joker's plan along at all right but that is a huge hit and because we the audience see this from you know that that whole movie is like rooted in batman's pov right we because we see this from you know the you know batman is our protagonist that we are emotionally invested in that's a devastating loss for him right and so kind of no matter what right the joker has been uh, kind of one step ahead of Batman this entire time. Even when he wins, he loses, kind of thing, right? Um, and I think that that is what makes you know the, the you know when you finally defeat the Joker at the end, right? Or when he finally you know is like, oh, I'm gonna blow up these boats, but I'm not actually gonna blow up these boats, right? You know, that's that's a very satisfying win because um, because there's a lot of advert like. Uh, 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 adversity that's been like triumph right there have been real real setbacks that have been uh that have been overcome in captain america the first avenger right you know the whole there's a whole bit where the, the red skull and uh and captain america first meet first of all captain america you know completes his entire objective right um and the last line of their of their meeting even though the red skull gets away is you know uh uh if, you know, like, the Red Skull says something like, I, you know, like, ah, you know, I won or whatever. And then Captain America says, if you won, then why are you running away? And he's right. He, he won. The Red Skull's not a threat, right? You can show him blowing up mooks with his crazy laser gun all you fucking want. There's no, the, the stakes there just don't work for me. Um, and so I try and replicate to a certain extent that, like, uh, losing-ish thing. Uh, in order to make, in order to like, in order to like make the drama work really hard in in the tabletop games. Yeah, no, I I think you're largely successful at it. Uh, except for when famously, because I don't do this anymore. This is what I like about the save them at the last minute trope thing that I used to do all the time in college. Um, for the listeners out there who don't know, my worst habit as a GM in college was putting the players up against. Um, impossible odds and then a self-insert yeah. swoops in with a cigar in his mouth it's it's not about the self-insert no I, I, in, right? I, it's I, about I, facing down the impossible odds and barely making it out right it's about like the squeaking you know like like photo finish across the uh, across the finish line but uh yeah i, I mean my, you know. my, I, I i know i know you well enough to know that it wasn't about the self-insert for you but the few times that i ran into it it was always like somebody with one of your characters named with a cigar in his mouth that swooped in and saved the day. Uh, I mean, you know, just not all of my characters are self-insert characters. Like, listen, right? Like, you know what? Guilty as charged when it's like Tonric, right? Um, he's probably the biggest self-insert character I have. But, um, you know, even somebody like Gondher, even somebody like, I think you're referring to Colonel Steelbrand, uh, who's the only like really cigar toting character. Oh, I, I, think, I, think I think it was Gondar in, in the, in the 40 game. Uh, where we blew up the forest. Oh yeah, I love that game. Um, yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was also uh, uh, Gondor. You're right, but um, yeah, Gondor smokes a pipe. I guess is what I is what I think. God, learn the lore, Mango. Um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have done my I have done my best to to get a, get away from that because I do think that it is uh, you know like disenfranchising. Weird yeah, it, and but. and you know, I think the biggest way you've gotten away from it this time is by murdering Gondar, right? Like, <laughs> like I, you know, I, uh, I was, I would be lying if I said I, 
I wasn't afraid of like you know the shadow of Gondor looming over us this entire campaign. Well, it's not going to happen, obviously. Um, uh, and you know what, buddy, you have improved as a GM over the years. I have known you. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I'm really excited about the direction uh, that you guys are going. Uh, to be honest. Um, I kind of expected, I think Mateo and Lyra is kind of the best argument. I, you know, like, I don't know that there's a perfect argument, uh, uh, or like, you know, I don't, I don't know there's like a perfect one of these like trifectas or whatever, where like, you know, each side really is truly equal in waiting. Um, and I do kind you know, if I were to make this decision, I might put Mateo and Lyra first, but man though, uh, the fucking Savophage, that's a really big deal. Um, the, uh. Uh, it was, I, but it was I, super I, funny too, because you kept like suggesting that maybe like if we left Mateo and Lyra for last, it wouldn't be the that big a deal. But we were like, no, 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 we're gonna do them first. Like, yeah, know. I mean, to me, you know, to me, that is the argument that you make, right? It's like, look, listen, I trust. We have priorities here, right? If I were arguing it from a perspective of like we're gonna let Mateo and, and Lyra go for a bit, right? Um, I think you can get there by saying, listen, right, uh, the Sabbath Age is coming and it is going to destroy the entire city, right? End of story. This is what happened 80 years ago. We are in nowhere near, you know, we are nowhere at the same point that we that we used to be. And it's kind of, it's a little bit of like Batman logic from Batman Superman. Uh, yeah, shout out. Um, where it's like, if the chance, you know, the even, even if the chance, right, even if the chance is, right, that... On on balance, it's maybe you know, it, it's maybe more more likely to be a copycat who doesn't have any magic, right? There's clues that point to that direction, right? But even if there's a chance that this is something that could happen, it has to be our number one priority, right? Do, letting the city get destroyed because we're worrying about you know, uh, uh, two of our friends giving up our names to Barzillai Thrun. Man, I'm gonna keep the city around kind of thing right um i think i think that argument is, is one that you could make um yeah no i i don't know uh, Beauregard's opinion was that one bars lies pretty competent so he'd probably have taken care of the savage guy anyway and two <laughs> if the savage guy is successful makes bars look pretty shitty <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know that is such a morally crazy thing to, to say, right? Yeah, it's like so, it really is like ethical, like scorched earth, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> to be like, hey, listen, all right, man. If this whole place burns down, I don't think Barzlai is gonna be around to pick up the pieces, all right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that, that's part of why I love playing Beauregard, just because he's he's like, yeah, you know, it sucks, but you know that 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 could work. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um but uh but we spent half an hour on this uh, uh yeah. our topic for this week is legion again because it's all we've been fucking playing um, um actually with with the minute and a half before we hit the half hour mark i would like to speak just a little bit about shadows of mordor because i me. um you know shadows of mordor is, is is it almost two years old at this point um you know, love that game. D didn't finish it the first time. Went back to it and just been playing the fuck out of it. That game holds up so well. I mean, it's not that old enough that it has to hold up, but, like, those systems are still super compelling. That game is still so much fun to, to just murder the crap out of some orcs. You know, like, it flows so well. Like, oh, I just, I can't, I can't get enough of it. Um, 
and you know it's it's the only thing that gets me to tear away from wow for for a couple hours at a time um but it's just it's just so so well executed like you know uh, um there's a lot of arguments in uh in like hardcore you know like film circles about kind of like the cultural impact of certain of certain like movies or whatever right um and the one that people always go to is avatar right avatar is the highest grossing movie of all time it has made more money than any other movie has ever made right in theaters um bigger than the original star wars right uh i actually don't know it might not be bigger than gone with the wind to be honest on like when you just for inflation but but you know whatever the case may be right you know six years ago this thing was gigantic and what have we seen that's really been like affected right like who who has picked up the torch of avatar in the same way that you know the torch of x-men was picked up by spider-man and now we're sitting in superhero land right um and i think the answer to that question right is isn't isn't very easy um and i think shadow of mordor is kind of the avatar of video games in that sense i you know i think a lot of people love it 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 is so you know it was such a big deal right when it hit um but i almost feel i guess maybe we just moved on uh kind of as like as games too quickly to like really um you know dig in we haven't seen another nemesis mechanic come out in other games right nobody's tried to like copy it um even um i don't know i i i you know uh, man, i i i think i think maybe that the, that kind of thing's greatest enemy is the fact that it is shadows of mordor that it's a middle like you know it's, it's a lord of the rings game right like I feel like we'd see much more of this, like this nemesis system and this gang system, which is amazing, if it had been in a non, in a non like branded property first and then got like used in Shadows of Mordor. Like if it started in like, and when I say non branded, I mean like non like cinematic, like you know like non like outside of games brand. Like if this had been an Assassin's Creed mechanic first, I think we might have seen it in more games outside of it. Um, but I think because it's like shadows of mortar it's kind of like a loader thing and it feels it would feel weird outside of it which is it's a damn shame because um shadow of mortar really didn't need to be uh the lord of the rings game in fact you know, uh, yeah i mean to be honest i think that's fair, fairly true like i i think that like the the lore stuff is neat but like Frankly, I think the Gollum sub uh, storyline in Shadows of Mordor is trash. It's probably the worst thing about that game that I've played so far. Like, wow. like it's just, it's just, it's like it feels like it's just there to be like, oh, look, it's Gollum, everybody, that guy from the movies that you remember, because nobody else here is from the movies. You um, know, um, that's hmm. see that stuff. I I think Mordor is very appropriate as a set you can't do this setting in a lot of other places or ways this isn't a setting that works where you have civilians is kind of i guess my like basic point um like i don't know that you could really transfer this one-to-one to an assassin's creed game man that would be rough you would kind because you would kind of have to like echo this gang stuff with like the guards i guess well, it'd have to be, I think it'd be work in an Assassin's Creed thing in, like, in, like, Syndicate, maybe. Um, or a, yeah, mm, that's, okay. Or, that's or like, in a, in a theoretical Assassin's Creed game set in, in China with, like, the triads or something. Um, 
and um, it, like it'd be like a re obviously a re relatively modern game, or like you can even put it in like a Yakuza game. Not you know that that's kind of like worlds away at the you know that that's a totally yeah because you know I think uh, I think Shadows of Mordor really depends upon you know this uh, uh, you are a like a lone figure in a war like a whole world surrounded in darkness kind of thing right um, that there are no uh, that you know. Yeah, like, it says it's Creed, you can just kind of, like, walk around sometimes, go to shops or whatever. And I think you kind of need, uh, I think you kind of need, like, the everything is hostile as much as possible um, thing to really play in order to, you know, the, the, you know, uh, it, it, this is Arkham Asylum is a lot like this. Um, obviously, there's a big, you know, this is a big spiritual successor to those kinds of games. Arkham City was also that way, uh, I think. Um some of the other Arkham games, I guess, after that got away from it. Um, I don't know, I man. I don't know. I, I, th I think it'd be really cool to be, like, at a shop, and as you turn around from the stall, you just see, like, you know, a dude be like, Hey! And, like, it zooms in on his face, and it says, like, you know, like, like you know, Vinny the Stabber. And it's, it's like... <laughs> Turtle Fist Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, it's like, You think you could walk around my turf? And then you go do it. I, I know. I, I would love that. Like, oh man. Uh, Fair uh, enough. Okay, I think you can make that work. I also, you know what, I, you know what I also, I think there's a couple other things you can make that work in. I think you can make that work in like Red Dead Redemption, super yeah. easily. Right? Oh like, yeah, no, that the great. Wild West would be a great point for it. Uh, I also think that, well, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about like Western kind of like genre video games, um, but. Um, uh, yeah, Shadow of Mordor, man. I really wish we saw like more stuff come yeah. of it. Um, uh, but it just, I, I don't know, like, it, it it had a very small crater for the size of its impact, I think, um, compared to some other games. I mean, you know, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed has a giant crater for the size of its impact, I think. You know, I, I, I kind of credit Assassin's Creed, which is way, like, way back in 2007, right? That one-two punch of Assassin's Creed 1 and then specifically Assassin's Creed 2 and kind of the yearly releases, I think is what kind of made... You know, the Deus Exes, uh, the Dishonoreds of the world, uh, the Shadows of Mordor of the world, right? You know, um, I think I think those are the games that really kind of, like, follow in the Assassin's Creed's footsteps. Um, so, yeah. you know. Uh, I You know, I really should go back to that game. I think that game would be great to play fresh, too. I never finished it either, uh, because I kind of did that thing where, like, I filled out most of the talent tree that I wanted. And I was taking, like, filler talents that I didn't really care about anymore. I didn't even do the whole second bit, right? Like, I got to the second bit um, uh, where you kind of go to, like, the more lush area. Yeah. Uh, and then I just was like, well, I guess I'm done with this game. Yeah, I kind of, I've kind of think I've gotten past, I've, I've managed to solve that problem by not doing a ton of the side content. Which is a w weird way to... To, to think about it but like by keeping myself kind of i do story missions and i do the things i need to do to like you know like i will kill the bodyguards before i kill the war chief type of thing but like by keeping myself kind of like doing only occasional challenges and maybe picking up some of some of the the pickups but not all of them i've kept myself at a power level where i don't like you know where i haven't hit the point where i want everything and the other part of that too is that like this time around, I'm really using all of the powers in concert. So it's like, man, I really want everything, right? Like, I really want to power up my bow, and I really want to power up my assassination. Then, then again, I also really want to power up my, uh, <coughs> excuse me, my, my sword fighting skills. Um, 
And so I think by, 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 by really using all three things in concert, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've extended the lifestyle because I, I, I did the same thing, right? I, last time I played, I went hardcore on stealth. I only did stealth, got really pissed off whenever there was a boss. Immune oh, to like stealth. a fucking immune to stealth boss. Yeah. Give me the most cancer. Um, but this time around I do everything. And so I never hit a boss that I'm incapable of dealing with. And it feels, it feels really cool to like jump in, murder somebody with the stealth kill. Um, you know, pop into focus mode, shoot three orcs in the head, and then go at, go at it with swords with everybody else. Um, and I think that's where that game really shines the most. Yeah, you know, I you know, I agree with you. I need to. I should get back to that game at some point. He said with like you know, adding it to the fifty other games. Um, but Legion, Legion, uh, yes, uh, Legion. So Mythics, Mythic Pluses, um, raids have come out. Uh, they came out last week. Uh, we got in one night of raiding last night uh where we got two bosses down and then what you know i so i did a little bit of pugging last week did you pug much um i pugged i so i pugged uh knife i pugged the first boss with you um and then our friend josh and i did about a dozen attempts on xavius um and got pretty close but didn't end up taking him down um, okay but yeah it's that fight's a lot of fun you know, you've never raided before, right? I have. Ne so I've done LFR and I did the occasional kind of drop into like a pug raid thing, but I've never done like organized raiding before. No. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, what are, what are your, what are your thoughts? I I'm interested, uh, in, in like, what, what, what do you like? How do you think about it when, com when coming into raids for the expansion? Um, okay. So uh, I think. So the biggest comparison point, like I think I can put this up against Mythic Plus, which we also did a little bit of this week. Um, and it's just kind of say it up front without getting too deep into it. I love Mythic Plus. Um, the things I like about Mythic Plus are kind of like the things I like about raiding distilled down. And the things I don't like about raiding are like just the, the, the things I don't like about raiding are the herding cats elements, right? Like, you know the 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 old joke that raiding isn't hard except getting 20 people to do the right thing um <laughs> the hardest part this is by the way courtesy of general chat in asuna on ravenholt in case whoever thinks i'm stealing their joke i'm not stealing your joke this is your credit okay <laughs> we were talking about what when wow has been it's absolutely most difficult and one guy said the most difficult wow has ever been is getting 40 people to show up on time <laughs> which is obviously a reference to the 40 people you need for vanilla wow rating uh, that's the so that's the thing that you know that's the biggest stumbling block you would say of uh of uh rating for you um so not necessarily the showing up part um but the like just kind of like on on Ursoc, right we we're facing down Ursoc. Ursoc has a relatively simple mechanic on normal he has to he charges and if he charges you and he has charged you the last time he charged so he charges you he puts a debuff on you and that, he charges, it, it, it seems like he charges every minute maybe and then he puts like a 90 second debuff on you right yeah. so that by the time the second charge rolls around you will still have a debuff on you from the first charge and if you get charged again while you have the debuff you're pretty much dead um right um and so what this effectively means is that you have to split into two groups and he charges through one group and then you position him again and then he charges through the other group um and this is not a hard thing conceptually 
I don't think this is a very hard thing to do at all. In fact, I, fi I if this was like somehow a five-man mechanic, I don't think anybody would ever have any problem with it. But like getting 20 people to like figure out how to do this right is just like, oh, like why? Why is this so like hard to, to, to parse? And I don't think it's anybody, like I, I don't want to like say this is any individual's fault. I just think it's kind of like a, you know, like, when you've got enough people together, right, like, there's so many things that are happening that, you know, it's easy to forget, like, you know, the thing, you know, I'm not guilt-free, the thing that killed me twice was I was standing too close to him when he did the charge, so even though I was on the right side of him, he he still hit me with his hitbox and it murdered me because I had the mark on me, um, that happened to me twice and I just forgot to back up, um, while he was about to charge, and that's, that's not totally on me, um, and so, like, it's just, it just, it just feels so bad though that it's like, you know, you know, you know, if you get marked, like the first person that marked goes to one side, the second person that marked goes to the other side. And that seems so simple, but it's, it's, it's so hard to kind of piece together. Whereas on the other hand, I love mythic plus cause it's very much kind of like about purity of execution, right? We, we, we did Neltharian mythic too, like three or four times because that's just how our mythic stones dropped and by the end of it i felt really good about how we knew how to dealt deal with neltharian slayer like we knew exactly what we needed to do we knew like which which buttons we needed to press we knew which packs we were going to skip with the invisibility potion we knew which extra packs we had to pick up so we hit our our creep cap um and that felt super good to me right like that felt super um a super super uh like in like you know it was like kind of like holding your breath and intense um, and that, you feel that way with raids too, but it feel, your failures in, in Mythic Plus are kind of like, feel like you tried too hard, or like, you know, you, you pulled a little bit more than you, bit off a little bit more than you could chew, whereas in raiding it feels kind of like, you know, oh well, I think it feels worse when one out of 20 people fuck up than when one out of five people fuck up, because it's, it's, it's easier to kind of like depersonalize that, that, that one out of 20 people. You know, I, yeah, I also think it's easier to kind of, like, not be responsible for yourself when right. you're one out of 20. Um, this is also true for stuff like, you know, like, your, you know, I think this is kind of why DPS numbers matter um, in, in, like, a rating environment a little bit more. Because it's like, look, if you're not pulling your weight, you can kind of slide uh, without too much trouble. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, right, like, we downed Ursak, right? Uh, Ursak is just a DPS check. It, like, really, at the end, of, I, I think it's the simplest mechanic. Uh, you know, maybe you could argue that Nythendra is simpler, but I, I, mm, yeah, you know, Nythendra's pretty simple. But, you know, it, it is it is built to be, right, like, a very straightforward fight, right? The tanks have some weird stuff because, I mean, I've done this fight like a zillion times. I've done this fight maybe 10 times and I still don't have kind of this cadence down on when we're supposed to swap off our taunting or whatever. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, group up, not group up, you know, all that kind of stuff is uh, is a little bit more... Uh, uh, yeah, I just think that's like a fairly easy mechanic uh, to kind of get like in the weeds on in the way that we did. This is also a bit my fault just for people, you know, I'm, I want to own up to this because it's true. You know, I, we walked into it and the raid lead kind of was explaining one way to do it. And I just kind of haphazardly mentioned that that uh, I did, So I had done this as a pug, right? And in the pug, our uh, players were 
not super great about moving. There's a lot of like momentums killing people. So we redefined the strategy so that instead of half the raid moving every charge, one person in the raid had to be responsible for moving and everybody else had to just kind of just like stick in their spots, right? Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's like, that is the, that is the easier tactic to do, but it does put a lot of weight on that one person's shoulders, you know, not to screw up because if he screws up, uh, it is kind of, you can kind of recover from half of the raid, making a little bit of mistakes. You can't really recover from like the one guy makes this mistake and he wipes half the raid, um, kind of thing. Um, so but yeah, I, I shouldn't have said anything. I've, you know, I, I almost kind of like feel bad about that. Even though I, I, I think that to a certain extent, that is the the appeal of raiding, right? Like I like raiding um, when it is a bit about like, okay, how do we how do we make this strategy work, right? I when when raiding gets cookie cutter in like the I go and I watch a video and I execute on that video. That's not as engaging to me. I agree, um, but. Uh, uh, I think I think they kind of switching things up and assigning things dynamically from like a strategic tactics, you know, whatever kind of perspective works. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, I, you know, in, in our in our pug for Xavius, we did a bunch of that, and it worked for a while. We got him down to like we we got him down to fifty eight percent, and then the second attempt was like like forty something, and then we hit thirty something, and then we hit we got all the way down to ten, and then we kind of like lost a bunch of people and things went went south real quick because of, of various reasons. But, like, that kind of iteration is, is a lot of fun and, and part of the stuff that I, I really liked about about that experience. Um, you know, on the other hand, I can also understand that it's, like, frustrating for, like, for, like, a... Uh, uh, I feel like that's a cool thing to do is, is to be, like, the person trying to, like, advocate for iteration on the strategy... But I also feel like, you know, if you're the raid lead and somebody, like, steps on your toes that way, that can be frustrating. Yeah, and you definitely get into, you know, kind of a too many cooks for the um, kitchen kind yeah. of scenario. Um, that 1,000%, uh, I think, happens in, you know, just, like, you know, in unfortunate, you yeah. know, in, a, in unfortunate ways sometimes. Where and, and I think it always sucks to be kind of, like, chopped right like at, at your knees uh when it comes to you know I, I think everybody wants to kind of like be heard and they want to feel uh like they you know and and, and, it, and it can you know and it can just kind of suck to have it be like you know what listen no <laughs> right right yeah no absolutely but you know i have to say i want to echo uh what you said earlier about mythic plus i think mythic plus and um the way in which it all works is awesome and i'm almost more tempted to say that i think mythic plus might be a better version of that kind of progression than rating is to a certain extent because like i think um you know so one of the things that can really kind of get on you about rating uh rating rating has a couple of difficulties right you know normal heroic mythic right um because the encounters are the same every week you get certain bosses down on farm right which is okay right i think farming yep. you know farming bosses in order to like you know soak up all of their loot is a good thing sure i'm with that uh but i also think that it can be uh rough when you have things on farm and you're on the one encounter and you're wiping over and over and over on that one encounter that you like can't quite 
get. Um, and you know what? That when you get that encounter, super gratifying. This is what happened when I was raiding uh, ICC Ice Crown Citadel uh, when that was current content. You know, Professor Putricide came out the first day of that patch. We got down. Fester Gut and Rotface, which were the two preceding guys, and then we got on Professor Putricide, and we had the first six bosses of Ice Crown Citadel on farm for three weeks uh, before we were able to down Professor Putricide, and that really sucks, right, when you kind of get stuck in that rut, right, it can really feel uh, like you can't get out of it it can really be it can you know people quit people don't want to show up for raids right you know you get you get all all of the loot that you want off of a boss and you're like well why you know why do i have to spend right three and a half hours of my week in order to you know spend two hours after that wiping on x boss right um it was really aggravating experience i think and mythic plus and Mythic Plus dodges that because it resets, you know, on every on every week. And like, you know, the 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 encounters that you can't get past on week A, you might not have the Mythic Keystone on week B to even be facing those encounters. So every week feels like a fresh opportunity to iterate. Um, yeah, no, no I, I was I was gonna say like this has got like a great combination of those things, right? If you let's let's say you've got a dedicated group. Of like five guys that you're running Mythic Plus with, or five gals, you know, don't want to be sexist, um, but like, so you've got everybody. Everybody's got their Mythic Keystone. Everybody's got a probably has a different dungeon. Maybe you've got a couple repeats, but you've probably got a good variety. Everybody can jump in, and you can run it, and you can if you succeed, that's great. If you fail, you can try and rerun it if you're really interested in that. Like, let's say you've got one really high, you can try and re 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 uh, re up it. Or you could grab somebody else's keystone and keep going and get more loot. I think it's just so much fun to kind of like try and work down these strategies. Like I said, we got three Neltharians uh, keys last week and we just kind of like really kind of perfectly one, two, three. Like, you know, like the first run we missed. Second run we got okay. Third run we were we were fucking solid. And, you know, we kept, we kept moving. And I just, I love that kind of like iteration into perfection. And like the ability to switch it up when you're not doing well is 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 amazing. Um, I, uh, I I definitely agree with you on on, on that. You um, know, and I also have to say um, uh, that um, I think it's cool because you know even though I feel confident about Nelthenrian Slayer, right? I'm not going to forget those strategies and tactics for a long time. I feel that when I come, you know, like when we come back to it. Um, it will, you know, it won't be as fresh in my mind, I guess. And so, like, it will be, like, a thing to, you know, like, it will be, you know, something to kind of, like, contend with. Right. right. Um, in, in in a way that, you know, because I'm doing Professor Putricide every week, week in, week out, it's never, like, a new challenge again, I suppose. Uh, maybe when you come back to it on Heroic, if you kind of, like, cycle through all the way through normal and, and get, you know, get back to it on the other side. Um, I also feel that, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to uh, Mythic Plus, that uh, because of the way that it progressively gets more difficult and more difficult, right, you... Always, you know, it does that. It does that iteration I just talked about, where you cycle through normal back onto a, a heroic encounter. Yeah, you know, like you do a heroic encounter for a, a boss you have on farm on normal, right? That's exactly what it's like when you do a boss on Mythic Five, right? That you've only ever done on Mythic Three, right? 
Um, and you also kind of run into this situation where because of like the random affixes that pop up on mob packs uh, at Mythic, I think four, seven, and ten is when they pop up. You know, you really have to be on your toes when it comes to that stuff. This is where raiding. I you know I could see myself do these like grinding. This, you know, is it grinding? Grinding Mythic Pluses uh, for basically an entire expansion because I think it, it's so rewarding and, uh, uh, and and it, like, refreshes the content so well. And it's easy to expand upon, too, right? Like, if Blizzard decides they want to... Like, if, if you can Mythic Plus Karazhan, um, you might not be able to. That that might be difficult because it's a 9-boss thing. But, like, you could see a, you could see a world where in, like, 7.2 or 7.3, they had a couple more dungeons, and that just makes Mythic Plus, like, that much more variety, right? Like, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's such a great mechanic, and, you know, obviously part of it is cribbed from Diablo 3, and I'm, I am super excited for, uh, for, 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 for more of it, right? Like, you know, I'm really, <coughs> excuse me, I'm really down for, like, you know, just sitting down and just trying to grind out Mythic Pluses, right? Like, I was... I was that way last weekend, right? I know you, like, you know, we failed our, 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 uh, our level three keystone on, um, what were we, what were, that was Darkheart. And I was, yep. I was ready to fucking recharge that thing. And, you know, I know you guys were, were a little bit beat by it, but I was like, you know, part of it was full disclosure. I was like, oh man, we're going hard. So I chugged a monster and I felt like my head was going to jump out of my brain. <laughs> I wanted, yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted to like bash some keys. And I mean, geez, by the time we did that dark heart, we had done like five or six mythics. Yeah, uh, that's true. In a row, we just spent like we literally spent four, three or four hours straight mythic doing these like myth doing progression like mythic plus like yeah. dungeons, right? Uh, I man, I am I, I'm really uh, really big fan, <laughs> really big fan of that. I think, um, and and I also think. I would like to see a situation, uh, like a Mythic Plus situation, hit raids, but I also think that that's really tough. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard, I think, to make it, you know, from a designer's perspective, I totally empathize with designers. Designers have talked about, um, publicly in WoW in the past, about how tuning raids is incredibly difficult. And one of those things that, you know, like, you really can miss and not and not do right, um, and they be, and how they basically spent you know expansions upon expansions just like missing the mark, right? Um, and I feel that man, I really I I get that. I've been the player. I've played in a lot of these expansions. Um, I've raided, uh, you know, on uh, I was about to say raided on cooldown. Um, I've kind of like raided as soon as the content becomes available in a lot of these expansions. And really, until Warlords, Warlords was kind of the first time that I felt like a raid was well tuned on the outset. Um, yeah, you know, Burning Crusade, right? It, it Burning Crusade had attunements, and I, I also didn't do this one, so it's a little bit, you know, this is a little bit like hindsight, it's 2020 kind of thing. Um, but the way that, you know, attunements work and the fact that, you know, there were these 25-man mo modes, it was a lot about hurting cats. I think a lot more about hurting cats than people would have otherwise uh, liked. Plus, there were a lot of, like, different raids on opposite sides of the map with weird mechanics. Um, you know, if you raided, uh, you know, if you raided, I think, Serpent Shrine Cavern, but didn't get to the right boss, trash would respawn for the for the next raid, and you would have to spend the first like two hours of your run killing trash. And I think that that sucks, you know. So like the, the little quality of life things, wrath uh, is kind of famously was too easy um, on its first 
uh, you know, people were going into, you know, people were dinging level 80 in uh, Naxxramas raids. Uh, uh, Old War was great. Then you had, you know, Trial of the Crusader, which was kind of oddly tuned because there were just like a zillion different modes for it. There was 10-man, 10-man heroic, 25-man heroic, you know, like, um, and then and then Ice Crown Citadel, uh, which to be fair, I think was pretty was pretty sweet, but there were plenty of fights in there. I'm looking at you, Gunship, that were absolutely god-awful and uh, super, super easy uh super easy fights i don't know i you know i have i have a tough time viewing how you might look at mythic plus in a raiding environment um and what you might otherwise expect you know uh uh like i i just don't think that the system i would love to see the system incorporated in raiding but i have no idea for how you would do that I, effectively i also think it just doesn't like i think raiding plus um would work for like I think it'd be, like, if you could, you know, if, if for designers, all it was was, like, just slapping affixes on things, and they said, you know, like, this might not be the most tuned thing, but, you know, it's here for funsies, that might work. But I think it also only really works for, like, the type of people who are, like, competing, like, you know, like, world-first type raiders, or, like, really hardcore raiders, right? Whereas the people are in tune with each other enough to get it to work. I think the reason that Mythic Plus works so well is because it's, like, five guys right or you know five people that you've all got together and like you know if you could bring them together on voice chat or like you know in, in in a medium where you all know each other it's one a lot easier to deal with the failure you know it's, it's easier to fail with your friends than it is with strangers um you can get everybody you know you can kind of like get the whole team spirit together you've got five if you've got that five people you've got five keystones to burn through if you fuck up i think that's all i think that's great um I don't think that, uh, or, like, I just don't think that you can hit that with, you know, maybe if you could do rating plus with the with the flex rate of 10 people, it might work, but, like, I, I think that, like, like the, those larger numbers are just really hard. I think it's really hard to find 20 people that are, like, you know, essentially good enough friends to, to, to really make that work well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I so I think the the like platonic ideal here is that you build those friendships, right? You know, like look, I you know, I don't know Garenth all that well, right? Um, but but raids are a place where people get in voice chat, right? You talk to one another, right. you chat with, you know what I mean? Like, um, it, it is a, it is a place where you really can come together. And 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 look, you know, the, my best rating experience was like progression rating during um, Ice Crown Citadel, and that was off of you know just like a random a guy, you know, like they, they their progression group needed a tank, right? And then they needed a healer, and I brought in uh, my friend, our friend Lou, friend of the cast who will never ever be on the cast, uh, you know, Lou. And so you, the, you know the two of us joined um uh we we joined that progression group and we became good friends with all of these people they're still on my friends list right unlike my battle net list and sometimes you know it's yeah that's uh, we we played games with long before we got back into wow we played league with lou and the reason i know who lou is is because you brought her in yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> to exactly play right and i think um and so you know maybe two or three months from now when it is a it is a solid uh group when it's a when it's a you know when when we are when we're kind of like more bound together i guess maybe i could see it get to that to that point but i i i don't know i uh i wonder i wonder if that kind of thing is possible with flex i think you know one of the good things about having a specific number of 
slots is that you it really can't you cannot tolerate flakes and it and it really forces people not to flake right um but when you have flex not showing up for a raid is kind of not the end of the world um so it it, it absolves you a bit um of the of the responsibility that you that like you kind of need in order to get those yeah I don't know, get that stuff going I, I think ultimately flex is important for that though right like for most people, real life happens a lot, right? Like, if if I had to absolutely make sure that I was, like, you know, Flex lets me be on call and, and, and raid, right? Like, it's not the end of the world if me as the DPS doesn't show up because my, you know, my real life, you know, my, my, my real life job, the server blows up and I have to go fix that. Um, and I think that's ultimately a better, uh, it, that is more important than, 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 you know, this, this, you know, the, this, bonds of venture forged in the fires of the of your rating um i i think like you know i don't think i'd be able to raid if 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 it was if it was that rigid um but you know i i think that i do see your point um and I think anything, you know... Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, listen, right? I'm not trying to shit on Mythic... Or not Mythic Plus. I'm not trying to shit on um, the... Um, flex? Yeah, on, on, on the on the Flex rating, right? Uh, I, I still think Flex rating is a good overall addition to the game. Because you know what? I also think WoW's... Uh, you know, the, kind of famously, a couple of years ago, they came out with a, a report that, you know, the median age of WoW player was like 35 right it was it was a much more adult oriented game than it was otherwise kind of cast um to be um compared to something like you know call of duty the kind of stereotype is that you know you're sitting there with like 12 year olds or whatever uh i think wow you probably are aged up a little bit but there's kind of an expectation that it's like young people it's like but it's actually like no like you know healthy chunk of wow players right are adults right folks uh this is and this is true of our group right plenty of plenty of players in our group have kids right you know and it's like sari and one of our one of our healers is like yeah i can get on at nine pacific but uh i can't or sorry on nine eastern standard time but i can't get on any earlier than that because it's my daughter's bedtime right and i have to put her to bed you know what i get that and and flex is built so that you know we can still raid uh you know we can still raid with him uh without without losing ourselves i guess yeah yeah. Yeah, that's that's the only other thing they they need to invent is like a, a way to like teleport us through time. That way, time zones don't 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 matter. Video games <laughs> are the primary application of that. A uh, uh yeah like a, a hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah, I, yeah. I would be super down for that. Um, you know something I was thinking about. Um, did you, so you did a world boss right? Did you do Nidhog last week? I did Nidhog and I did um I did the one this week too. Oof! I actually haven't done the one this week, but I do need to do it. Um. How do you feel about, uh, you know, in comparison to kind of, like, the rating that you've done with with Emerald Nightmare, how do you feel about the world bosses? World bosses, like, they're fine, I guess. Like, I I appreciate the, the opportunity to get neat loot once a week, but it's not, like, not a ton of mechanics, not super hard. Not a lot of, like, like you know, because of that, it's not a lot of super fun, but it's, like, 15 minutes once a week. And so I can appreciate it come from kind of like that super casual perspective, right? Like I also, so one thing I do miss from like being on, um, from being on like a, a lower populated server is like, 
You know, sometimes you just run up to something and there's like a thousand people already on it. You're like, oh boy, it's time to have fun, which I think is a lot more prevalent with the uh, with the danger world quests than with the world bosses in particular. Um, but it's it's cool, but I don't think like if you were to tell me that like you know there's like a new world boss every day that you can go farm for gear, I would think it was a pain in the ass. I think. Um, to have to spend that time to go do it. Fair enough. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I have complex thoughts, I suppose, when it comes to this kind of thing, because, uh, you know, so I, I am a huge advocate for WoW as, um, kind, you know, I'm a huge advocate for kind of like WoW as like snack food. Right. Right. Um, you know, somebody somebody once described, I believe uh, this was in an errant signal video on YouTube, described um, Destiny as a great game when you treat it like Animal Crossing and a terrible game when you treat it like WoW, um, or, or when you treat it like, you know, Call of Duty, right? Like a game that you, like, occupy all of your time with kind of thing, right? Animal Crossing is a good, de is a good game when you just kind of pop on. Uh, you know, do your daily like little objectives or whatever, and that feels gratifying. But it doesn't take more than twenty to forty-five minutes of your time. Um, and uh, and I think wow, I think wow, very much fills that right. Maybe you get, maybe you go a little bit harder on the weekends, right? Or you're or you're like me and you set a weird objective for yourself, like I need to farm, you know, uh, one hundred and twenty thousand gold in order to get that yak, right? Um, that's something that, that will make me like really, really engage with the game and just like stay on it. But otherwise I, I do think that WoW is valuable as a game, uh, when you approach it from the perspective of, <clears throat> uh, when you approach it from, from, from the perspective of like, listen, right. Um, I'm going to get on, I'm going to spend 15 minutes doing a couple of world quests, uh, that I want to that I want to accomplish. Maybe I'll LFR something, right? Uh, and then I'm gonna you know I'm gonna log off and I'm gonna move on with the rest of my life, right? I'm gonna you know go watch a movie. I'm gonna go hang out with my friends, right? I think I think WoW lives in that in that specific place very very well, and I would like to see it continue to do that. I think world quest or world bosses are a good implementation of that. That said, though, it does kind of bug me that they're just kind of like Zerg fests. I would like to see a version of World Quests where it was a little bit more uh, intense from a mechanics perspective and you actually had to worry about them. I don't know. I, I just don't... Hmm. Like, so I, I can see a, like... I can see a world where, like, they are more intense and you have to think about them, but that's, like... Why have them... Like, they're just, like, raid bosses in the world then, right? Like, they're not, like, a cat... like. I think the strength of, of the world boss is supposed to be that they're the ultimate casual thing to get, like, better gear, right? Like, you want better than, like, dungeon gear. You've got an opportunity, and you're a super casual player. You've got an opportunity once a week, whenever you've got time, to go, like, find a group of schmooze and, like, like, like pound this boss until he falls over. And maybe you'll get a piece of nice gear. And, you know, over the course of the expansion, you might be able to get yourself up pretty high. But, you know... It, it's not enough to get you to compete with like the super hardcore people, but it's not, um, you know, it, it's, it's not, you know, but then that's probably not what you're looking for if you're that type of player. Um, and, um, I think that like you and I have like being like slightly more hardcore than that. 
um, or even significantly more hardcore than that, kind of are seeing kind of like the like, well, this is kind of just dumb filler content aspect of it. Um, whereas I think for like someone like say 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 Akshay who was on the cast last week who doesn't play as much, like that's an opportunity for him to get an eight sixty piece of gear that he will probably never otherwise get. Um, yeah, and I think that that's kind of where the world boss is supposed to live. Yeah, I definitely, uh, uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I want the world boss to live in that space, but I don't want it to be as trivial, right? I think it's okay if world bosses maybe like you wipe once or twice, uh, because something, you know, like something stupid happens because you don't, you know, even if it's little stuff, right? Like. I don't know. I guess it kind of has this thing too. Yeah, I, it's it's weird for me. I, I I don't have a good answer for kind of like what world bosses uh, want to uh, want to be. Maybe I'm coming at it because I am a little bit more of a hardcore, per- not even just that little bit, um, uh, hardcore perspective. Um, so you know, uh, th- thinking about it a little bit more, like because I, I have just done this this fish boss. I think like the world bosses work well when it's like when. You have to do mechanics, but it's not super dependent on anybody else to, like... You don't need to necessarily work in cohesion, but you might need to, like, move yourself to do well, right? Like, maybe the tanks and the healers need to talk to each other a little bit, but, like, this fish boss, it's got to move where it spins around and it spits water out of its mouth and you got to dodge it, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're a DPS, right? Like, you get hit by it, like... Once you're mostly dead, but you're probably not totally dead. You get hit by it twice. You're probably gone. And I think that's where it's supposed to kind of be, right? Like, you yourself are responsible for for your own well-being, but, like, nobody else necessarily is. And you've got, like, room for, like, one fuck-up, but not a bunch of them, if that makes sense. And I think that's kind of where they want it to land, where, like, it's a challenge if you're kind of going at it by yourself. And, like, right. like, if you, you know, if we got Sanctuary together and we were like, oh, let's do some world boss, we'd be like, you know, like, one one and done, right? Like, but, like, if you're just kind of like a schmoo wandering, wandering around the shore, it's like, oh, let's kill the fish, man. Um, that's, that's doable. You know, uh, I wonder, uh, something, something I also kind of want to talk about just to change, I guess, uh, Gears a little bit. Some, yeah, change gears a little bit. Um, is how do you feel about like the gearing paradigms when it comes to kind of like WoW and this like high end rating stuff like that? Specifically, I'm wondering how you feel about like the secondary sets. I don't know what the Windwalker stat priority is off so, the top of my head. Windwalker um, stat priority is um, it's one of two things depending on which site you ask. I you know I haven't done enough like of my own number crunching to tell you which one's better. It's either Agi then mastery, then crit versatility, then haste, or it's agi, then mastery equals crit equals versatility, then haste. Like the only the only thing that's really bad is is haste, um, and the only thing that's like super important is agility, um, and maybe mastery, um, but like I don't like I don't I haven't like met. I haven't had the type of... I'm not the type of person to, like, keep around, like, a ton of sets of gear. So it's not like I've had the opportunity to, like, have a ton of haste and see how that plays and then have a ton of mastery and see how that's different. Um, But, like, I think this kind of falls into the same trap that a lot of MMOs fall into, which is that, like, 
there's one stat that see like there's one there's one way to do it that's the best and that's kind of what you want to build towards just for like you know in a lot of ways right like for simplicity's sake that's what i'm gonna do just because like i don't like you know there's a world where either i have a ton of free time or it's a lot e more easy to manipulate this stat these stats or like you know like in a game like league i might go for an off build because you know it'll be fun and it'll be quick uh it, it, or it'll it'll be fun and it'll be interesting and maybe there's something there that like you know like you know like, i've got the secret strats that nobody else does um, and that, that kind of feeling, but the time in WoW to kind of iterate on those to like get another set of gear with a different set of stat priorities and then try it out and do the comparison is just such a longer time scale than like, say a game like League where it's like 40 minutes, whereas like, wow, that's like probably a couple of weeks at least to get like those types of differences that like, I can't help but just be like, oh, what's the best thing? Oh, I'll go for that. Uh, like, the hardest decision I have to make is whether I sacrifice, like, five eye levels for a slightly better stat arrangement. And, like, you know, I know you've said, like, I think part of that, too, is because the Windwalker stat stat block is, like, even with haste being worst, it's not that much worse. So, like, even having slightly bad stats makes it very easy for me to be just, like, you know, oh, it's got a fucking better eye level. I'll throw that on and be happy with it. Do you know? Uh, do you know what the weighting is on that kind of stuff? Um, I know for so I know for Arms Warrior, right? The weighting is mastery is like every point of mastery is worth effectively one point three three points, and then at every point of strength is worth one point of strength, and then it's point uh, eight eight for versatility, point eight one for haste, and point six three for crit. Right. So theoretically, every point of mastery is worth two points of crit. More than that, a little bit, but yeah, it, it's much <clears throat> so. The only put I so people have told me that Noxic is trash, but that's the place where I found the weightings. Um, the weightings on that site are like 0.8 for agility. I also do want to echo that Noxic is indeed fucking trash, but <laughs> like 0.8 for agility, 0.65 for for the th like for mastery, um, mastery versatility crit, um, and like point five eight maybe for haste um it's some something like that it, it's at the point where they're all close together anyway if if those right. numbers are accurate um and so that's fair do you feel uh do you feel like a big difference between crit mastery haste whatever um so Maybe so. I think I think personally, I should start paying attention to my numbers more. Like I noticed once when my Windlord strike crit over a million, I was like, "Oh, that's neat." But otherwise, like I'm usually so focused on the rhythm of my rotation that I don't really notice the actual numbers. Like I, I can't. I find it hard to feel when I've like, in, like when I fallen off, like when I've dropped my combos. Like I notice when I drop my combos because like. I can kind of, like, feel it in, like, my rhythm that I've accidentally hit something twice in a row. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't... Just just to clear this up for listeners at oh. home, you're talking about combo strikes, your mastery, right? So combo strikes with mastery com combined with... I forget the name of it, but the talent and the talent that everyone takes is that if... So combo strikes is, is if you use a different uh, attack than your last one, you, um, you do extra damage as determined by your mastery, 
and then the talent lets it stack up to eight times. So that's super fucking huge, keeping that, that number up. I feel like if I paid more attention to the numbers, I'd really feel when I drop my combos. Um, but there's, like, there's not really, a like, a world where, like, I feel like I miss, like, like where, where like, I'd, I'd not be wanting to do that anyway. Like, if that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like, I don't feel the difference because I don't, I'm, I'm way more focused on, on like keeping my combo right. And like, I, I know like theoretically that I need to keep my, my hit combo up. Um, like, you know, my, my combo strikes up. And so I, I, I do that cause it feels good. That's because I'm looking at the numbers. I'm seeing the numbers fall. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, I have to say that's a little bit interesting. Um, the other day, uh, I talked about this a little bit in a chat of ours, uh, but I fucking hate, Versatility is a stat. Uh, because, you know, I have to say, I actually really do feel the difference between haste, crit, and mastery. And this might just be an arms warrior thing because, uh, you know, so... Uh, and this is also a thing because I have my... Uh, I have, two I have like, set two sets of gear for arms, right? When I'm out in the world doing world quest stuff, um, I use a slightly lower eye level gear, but I use all the class stuff because it has good set bonuses or whatever. Um, and that, but that like radically changes what, you know, how much mastery or whatever I have compared to when I'm in a dungeon and all I, you know, every single piece of gear I have has mastery on it. Um, and you know, this is how I get like a million execute crits kind of thing. But, um, I, <clears throat> I really feel the difference when I have more haste, when I have more crit, and when I have more mastery. Uh, but what I hate about versatility is I really don't feel the difference in, you know, my performance, right? You know, the extra 5% damage done, the extra 3%, uh, you know, damage not taken or whatever. Uh, it's just so low and it's so invisible because it's just kind of a purely, like you know, minutia numbers thing. There's no way that I'm going to be able to detect that my mortal strike was supposed to do 600,000 damage and it only did, you know, whatever it is, 550,000 damage. Those those two numbers are functionally equivalent to me um, when they when they kind of pop up on the screen. And, um, and that's really gotten me, like, down on crit. I get really mad at crit. Or not, sorry, crit. Uh, I get really mad at... Um, I get really mad at versatility for being a set, but it sounds like, you know, you would have noticed the difference anyway. So do you have like, like, do you have a, a similar hatred? So, so it's actually funny. I'm, I'm thinking back. So way back in vanilla, I played a disc priest. Um, and I knew, I, I remember watching my numbers because like my main damage spell was smite and that caught has like three seconds to cast. Right. And so I'd be like, ha, a number. And then I've got like three more seconds. Whereas my monk, it's so fast, right? It's like, I got a punch and then I got a kick and then I got a punch and then I got to do my fist of flurry. Then I got a kick. Then I got to do my rising sun kick. Then I got a kick. Right. And so like, I'm not paying as much attention to the numbers. And I feel like, I feel like, cause I was, I, I, I have a dick priest now. I haven't played him as much. But I did find myself paying more attention to the numbers on him because the cast times are longer, right? And, like, I'm sure if I was playing a caster with long cast times, I'd feel that more, too. Um, and so I feel like I feel like I would hate versatility more if I was doing that. But, like, I think because of specific mechanics of the monk, which are, like, you're all, you know, always be, always be pressing, essentially that I, I, I kind of lose that distinction 
as a player. Um, I think, you know, this is interesting because I haven't really thought about this until you brought it up. So I think maybe for the next week or two, I'll try and pay attention more to my numbers as I'm playing. And I think that'll make mastery feel better because I'll feel like, like, I think I'll feel me dropping my hit combo more and I'll feel worse. And I'll probably make me a better player in the long run. Yeah, I mean, you know, so because of the way, so uh, just for the listeners out there, uh, the arms, so so first of all, mastery is a statistic that does something different for each individual class, right? It's on, you know, it's on something, right? And so on me and my warlock and me on my, um, you know, mage, right? We can get the exact same piece of gear that has the exact same amount of mastery, but that mastery will be a different thing for uh you know for my warlock than it will be for so this is why my arms mastery is different than mango's mastery right the arms mastery says that um you, first of all colossus smash uh does more damage but that whenever you know colossus smash puts an eight second debuff on the target um and baseline it increases all damage you deal to that target by 16 percent but that 16 percent number scales with mastery so what it ends up right now i'm at like 79 percent because of all the mastery i have um, what ends up is when I have Colossus Smash on, my numbers feel amazing because, you know, I'm doing an extra 80% damage on every hit, right, I make. Um, and that, you know, and that really telegraphs, right? Um, but uh, when it when, when it's off and sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, right, it's a proc, but, uh, you know, proc-based gameplay is obviously random. It doesn't have 100% uptime kind of thing. Um I think uh, I think that also might have a bit to do with it. Also, might be because of how warriors kind of uniquely interact with haste. Um, haste obviously increases the rate at which you auto attack, right? Uh, increasing the rate at which you auto attack because warriors gain rage from each individual auto attack that they make means that I'm more flush with rage. Uh, the worst feeling on a warrior is to go kind of like rage bankrupt uh, and run out of run out of rage when you would otherwise. Uh, have it to do it and you kind of like have a gap in your rotation because of that so having a lot having a lot of haste feels really good because you always have a lot of rage to work with um i don't know maybe the, so maybe it is a little bit just because you know what? I, I am a warrior I, I can speak to this a little bit um like i should be feeling that drop off so my mastery puts my my combo strikes at about 40 percent which means that with stack fully to eight, each attack is doing 320% more damage than it should. Holy shit. So I should feel that fall off when I fuck up and I drop the combo. Um, but I just, I need to look at, I need to look at the numbers for that. Um, but um, what's, what is, uh, I could speak to the haste thing because when, when I, when I get lusted, right. Um, or when I use my, my racial with, I'm a troll. I get, I get the berserkers rage or whatever. Um, uh -huh. So my gameplay feels very rhythm based, right? Like I feel like I'm almost playing DDR when I'm playing my monk, right? It's like I hit the button and the global cooldown comes off, and I hit the other button. It feels very rhythmic. Um, whereas when I'm when I have haste, it's like it's the same thing but faster, and that feels a little bit weird to just kind of like arbitrarily speak. Like when I get lusted, I'll often find myself being like, "Oh, I need to hit these buttons faster because I'm not hitting them fast." You know, like I'm just kind of like. Stay. I like. I'm naturally in my normal pace, but like that's wrong. I need to like it. Like like you know. I need to like pick it up. Um, yeah. And so, I bet you if I, if I like if I let's say I like just totally dumped mastery and went all the way haste, it would feel just like a, a like a, a like a, a pound fest on the keyboard, and that would probably feel very different. Um, 
yeah, I, I could def- I could definitely see that that feeling different, um, and being super super different. It's because like, yeah, you know, I mean, I love I love getting lusted. Getting lusted feels great, especially. I mean, warriors also. Do you have an execute phase mo- like mechanic, or do you, like do, do do you switch up your rotation at all depending on what phase of the fight it is? Um, no. Uh, like like they they change. Touch of death used to be an execute button, but. One, it was like a button with a three-minute cooldown, um, and two, it was a single button. But and now you can apply it whenever. Um, but like it's there, there's there's no there's no difference at all. Um, like maybe I'm saving a charge of a storm wind and fire to uh, to use there, um, so so that like I you know I get a little bit of extra burst out, but generally no. It's wow. Okay. Um, yeah, because you know my my the other thing is, uh, you know the the this it's different for certain classes. Like I think, well, I don't actually know that this is the case, so I don't want to speak to it. But there are certain classes where um, I'm pretty sure for the first eight, it's like the opposite of execute phase, right? Like their opener damage is you know for the first eighty percent, right? Their rotation is a little bit different because they have different priorities, you know, whatever. Um, for uh, for warriors, right? You know, the rotation actually changes pretty dramatically when you get into execute range because you know execute is an ability it does a boatload of damage it is the most kind of like range efficient damage uh, but it takes a ton of range in order to use it and it puts out a ton of damage obviously um but um it, it's only usable when uh, enemies are at 20 percent or less so i really feel the effects of uh of bloodlust at on an execute phase because because execute is so rage demanding and because with that extra 35 percent haste i'm generating just like gallons of rage right um and uh, and i can just dump it into these execute shots uh that that that, that really feels uh that that feels pretty different for me uh, okay for me that's pretty interesting i've got, I, I've I didn't got a know little that, bit yeah. of that um because um my touch of death there is a artifact trait where the touch of death it does it the damage i do like it takes eight seconds to touch of death takes eight takes eight seconds um, and then it does my health's worth of damage. Um, wow. Now that I say that, I'm like, I wonder if building stamina would be like a weirdly effective build, but, um, uh, <laughs> so it does increase damage. Like the damage you do during the eight second touch da- like, uh, t- uh, the eight seconds before it pops, um, increases the damage of touch of death. And so if I get lusted, like whenever my touch of death is off, I blow everything and I try and put as much damage on it during that eight seconds. Right. Um, but that's not usually I open with that just because it's a, it's on a cooldown. But that's kind of like every three. I think it's a three minute cooldown. Every three minutes during the fight, I'm doing that. But that that's uh, th- those are my kind of big points. And if if you know if it's a lust on start fight, then it actually works out pretty well because I do get that those extra procs and extra moves during during the eight second tick down of of, of touch of death. But that's that's about it. It sounds much more compelling for you. I'd have to, I might have to try that at some point. That sounds interesting. You know, I you know I uh, I don't know. I I think one of the neat things about WoW is and kind of always has been that people have radically different experiences because of the classes that they play. Um, and so it's neat for me kind of comparing notes, you know, comparing, compa- contrasting, even, I mean, you and I are more similar than like a lot of classes because, you know, we're at least melee DPS. DPS yeah. uh, but... Uh, you know, just the, the, the rotation being super different is, I don't know. I think that's, uh, I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. Um, 
I'm a big I'm a big sucker too for when WoW makes their rotations. Ah, uh, man. Uh, like, like makes them, like, flavorful, I guess is really what it is. Uh, that's kind of the way that it is right now when it comes to Fury, though. It was more pronounced in earlier versions of this. Um, a good example might be, like, an, like the old version of Destro Warlock uh, and the old version of Affliction Warlock, right? You know, Destro Warlock, you are, you are shooting fireballs, right? You're shooting big, powerful, explodey, critty fireballs at guys um and so that was you know that and the, you know, that's what the visuals represented but that was also the stuff you were casting right your filler spell was you know effectively you know shadow bolt or whatever really it's incinerate um but you're just throwing uh you're, you're throwing these fireballs and you're getting these crits and then you throw um uh uh you know chaos bolts which are just you know super super big fireballs uh <clears throat> that always crit and so you always get these you know huge satisfying numbers right whereas affliction right which is the dot based spec um you know it, what it used to be was you put on your three dots on the target and then your filler spell was this spell that all it did was make it, it, it like forced a proc of each one of your dots every once in a while and it was a channel right so you know you would apply corruption you would apply curse of agony you would apply unstable affliction and then you would fill with this thing where um uh you know and and what and it created that that like super satisfying thing of dots and especially when you got a lot of haste this looks great where it was just like this you know death by a thousand paper cuts right just always always numbers flashing up in in front of your face that were just like you know right like little 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 bits of damage right um and i love it when when blizzard implements that kind of thing uh in into how rotations feel and i think that ddr thing that you're that you're uh talking about is is a very good representation of that experience yeah no absolutely um you know like like i like like i said um i've had two very different experiences in disc priest and in in in, in monk um, and the, you know, obvious, ob you know, beyond being healer versus, uh, uh, versus melee DPS, like, you know, the, the, just it, the different rhythm of the game essentially see is, 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 is really cool. And, and I, I do kind of want to screw around with some alts and see how that's different. Cause like I was leveling a death knight for a little bit and I was trying to play him like my monk. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to hit all the buttons. That doesn't work. Um, yeah oh no definitely with death knights with death knights i you know i i honestly think that death knights are uh one of the harder specs because it really you have to kind of resist your temptation in order to use abilities because you need to get your uh um because you need to kind of like get your runes matching up with your runic power and if you screw that up you can you can just have these like dead global cooldowns, which is like the death knell of DPS numbers, right. effectively. Right, right. Oh man, but yeah. What? But, yeah, man. I feel like I, you know Legion. Uh, geez, we are mining the shit out of this. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I I'm just having too much fun with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Uh, anything else you want to get in on? Uh, while we uh while we're still on the subject. Of WoW, I, I think I, I think I'm done with WoW. I'm not done with WoW, but I'm thinking. I think I'm <laughs> That's it. I've talked about it for an hour and a half. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm good talking about it for for the uh, for the moment. You have anything else you want to say about it? No, I uh, you know I'm solid. I think we did a pretty good uh, pretty good job. <laughs> uh, so uh, 
Do you want to give our listeners a sneak peek for next week, given that we know pretty much what we're doing and we know it's not going to be well? What do you think, buddy? Shit, what, what are we doing next week? Like Magnificent Seven. Oh, right. God, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, yeah, I did, I did end up going and seeing it on Monday, by the way. I guess I'm going to have to see it, like, tomorrow. <laughs> um, yes, we're going to do some drips talk about movies, my favorite. Uh, the remake of my favorite movie of all time, Seven Samurai, The Magnificent Seven with Chris Pratt, Denzel Washington, the man himself, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, to be clear, yeah, it, I'm is, excited. it is the remake of the remake of, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, of of the most, oh man, I I I'm I'm looking forward to this because I I just watched Seven Samurai for the first time. I just watched The Magnificent Seven for the first time, and before I watched Next Magnificent Seven, I've got like half dozen other movies that I want to see in between that are in that same vein. I'm I'm really excited to see the whole spectrum. So, um, that's a little teaser for next time, kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is your reward for staying through the whole podcast. Yeah. For like, <laughs> go, going into the weeds with us on, on fucking, like, progression wow mechanics. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to tell us what you think of progression wow mechanics, you can email us at somederpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can uh, comment on SoundCloud. You can uh, you can comment on our YouTube channel, which I'll put in the description. You can watch us play D&D Live at twitch.tv slash somederpsplaygames. You can... Follow us on Twitter. Everything will be in the description. Like us, rate us. We're on iTunes. We're on the Android store. Um, yeah. Anything you else you wanted to plug while we're here, buddy? No, I have nothing. I have nothing else to. Uh, I have nothing else to plug. Well, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.